Thank you for joining us for today's broadcast of A Word from the Lord. Today, Archbishop Foley Beach brings us his message entitled, Be Strong and Courageous. Today's special feature comes to us from last week's message, The Day of Pentecost, The Promise Fulfilled. Here now is our speaker and teacher for A Word from the Lord, Archbishop Foley Beach. Now, Pentecost reminds us of several items and things about the Holy Spirit. First of all, Pentecost reminds us that we need to be filled with the Spirit. Yes, God forgives us of our sins and He promises eternal life, but Pentecost reminds us that God wants to fill us with His very presence. He wants to dwell with us and in us. Pentecost also reminds us that we've been given spiritual gifts so that we might witness for the Lord. And 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 all tell of varieties of spiritual gifts. These are spiritual abilities, not natural abilities, which God gives in order to get His work done. He wants His gospel proclaimed. He wants sinners to repent and turn to Him. He wants to heal the sick. He wants to deliver those who are possessed. He wants to feed the poor. He wants the prisoners visited. He wants the widows and orphans cared for. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will have the spiritual gifts which will lead you to minister for Him and by Him. For some of you, you break down in tears when you think of someone dying without Jesus. For some of you, you can't stand to see someone sick without wanting to pray for their healing. For some of you, your heart breaks when you see someone going without a meal. This is the Holy Spirit within you. If we are growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ, I truly believe we'll know how to use our spiritual gifts and we'll learn how to use our spiritual gifts to His glory. Now, I began by quoting from Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What's the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life? It's when you begin to manifest the fruit of the Spirit in your life. As you begin to obey Him, utilize your spiritual gifts, as you witness for Him, as you live your life, His fruit begins to manifest in you and through you. Love, Joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I mean, aren't these attributes we all want in our lives? Who doesn't want love, especially God's love? Who doesn't want joy or peace or kindness? The self-control, well, you you may want to argue about that one, but the Holy Spirit. God's promise is fulfilled on this day and every day. A person yields him or herself to the rule of Jesus in their lives. If just a few people are willing to yield and to receive His Spirit, just a few people, then perhaps we could see a modern-day Pentecost in our nation, another Azusa Street revival, or another charismatic movement, a Spirit-filled time for our time in history. So this morning, how about you? Where are you 
in the Holy Spirit today? Is he leading your life? Is he guiding you? Is he directing you to fulfill the purposes of Jesus? Or is he still some kind of concept out there somewhere? That was Archbishop Foley Beach with today's special feature, The Day of Pentecost, The Promise Fulfilled. Here is Archbishop Foley Beach with today's message. Be strong and courageous. You are here today because you have completed a course of study to prepare you for ministry on behalf of the Lord in and through the church to a needy, suffering, and hell-bent world. You've listened to lectures, you've written papers, you've taken exams, you've had field experiences, you've been challenged, you've been affirmed, you've prayed, you've worked hard, you've suffered, you've sacrificed, and you've demonstrated faith. And now God has brought you here. You're graduating. Praise be to God. Amen? <laughs> You're now entering a new season in your life journey and ministry in the Lord. And as the Lord spoke to Jeremiah when he said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and give you a hope. You have been equipped for his purposes for your life. Now, I've chosen this text this morning from the book of Joshua because I believe God might use this in your life, not just today or tomorrow, but also in the years to come. He says, have I not commanded you? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Be strong. Be courageous. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I personally recommend that you memorize this passage, for you'll probably need to quote it to yourself many times in the days and years to come. The context of this passage is that Moses, the great leader of the Hebrews, has died. The Lord is speaking to his five-star general Joshua and telling him that now is the time to cross over the Jordan River and inhabit the Promised Land. Joshua is to lead the people to go and possess Canaan fulfilling the long-awaited promise given to them by God through Moses. As the Lord gives Joshua this important assignment, he wants him to know some important truths about following his will. And they can be summarized in this verse. It begins, Have I not commanded you? Joshua, have I not asked you to do this? Joshua, this isn't your idea. I'm the one calling you to do this. We might hear it said like this today. Have I not called you? Have I not called you to serve me as a deacon? Have I not called you to serve me as a priest? Have I not called you to serve me as a rector? Or have I not called you to serve me as a missionary or, or as a chaplain? Have I not called you to go and make disciples of all nations? It's interesting that in the ACNA ordinal for each ordination service, for the deacon, for the priest, for the bishop, the candidate is asked if he believes God has called him to this ministry. Have I not commanded you? I've found that most times the big and tough decisions I've had to, to make come down to an obedience issue. The Lord has called me to do something or not to do something. 
and I have to decide to obey or not to obey. And when I respond in faith to his call or to his direction about some issue in my life, I've learned that God helps in so many miraculous ways. He steps in with all kinds of help that I had not expected. Have I not commanded you? But then he says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Now this is the third time in this chapter that he's giving these words, be strong and courageous. In verse 6, we find this, be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Joshua, be strong and courageous because the Lord, I, am going to use you to cause these people to inherit the land. Joshua, be strong and courageous and lead these people into my promised land. Brothers in Christ, you're headed out of this church today to places where people need to be led into God's promised land. Eternal life and heaven, God's will for their lives. It will be part of your calling to lead them into salvation, which comes through grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. It will be part of your calling to lead them into salvation, which comes by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. If you as their spiritual leaders don't lead them to Christ, who will? Be strong and courageous. In one parish I served, some of the people didn't want to hear about Jesus and his lordship in their lives. To stand up and preach the word of God to those who didn't want to hear it was quite a challenge. It was actually quite frightening at times. However, I'll never forget an 80-year-old woman saying to me, I've never understood Jesus like this before. And I ended up buying her her first Bible. Now, she was 80 years old, had been in the church most of her life, and I was buying her her first Bible. 80 is not too young to begin a relationship with God. But you have to be strong and courageous. It's also found again in verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. He's saying here, Joshua, be strong and courageous and do the word of God. It's not enough for the leader to just teach the Word of God, interpret the Word of God, apply the Word of God. The leader must do the Word of God. This is what the epistle of James is telling us in James 1.22 when he says, Be doers of the Word, not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. To do this takes strength and courage. Hebrews 10.23 says it this way, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed, for he who promised is faithful. This takes strength and courage. And then verse 8 tells us this, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all according to that is written into it for written in it for then you will be successful and your way will be prosperous 
oh my, this is where we get in trouble in the ministry. We stray from the Word of God. We depart from the Word of God. Isn't this why the global church in, is such a mess in so many places? The leaders in the church have departed from the Word of God or they've reinterpreted it in such a way, in such a compromising way, to invite the values and principles of the world into the church. We begin to depart from the Word of God when we depart from speaking the Word of God. And when we, we don't speak the Word of God because we're not thinking about the Word of God. Kyle DeLeach, in their wonderful commentaries on this passage, says this, say this, Not to depart out of the mouth is to be constantly in the mouth. The law is incessantly in our mouth, not only when we are incessantly preaching it, but when we are reading it intelligently for ourselves or conversing about it with others. It's a practical study of the law for the purpose of observing it in thought and action or carrying it out with the heart, with the mind, and the hand. Keeping the Word of God in our mouths. Doesn't the Apostle Paul affirm this when he says in 2 Timothy 3.16, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God might be adequately equipped for every good work. Stand in the Word of God. Practice the Word of God. Pass on the Word of God. Keep the Word of God in your mouth. Just one example from many I could give you from ministry. I used to hate teaching on money and tithing in the church. I had a genuine fear because people don't like to talk about money in the church, right? It would never fail on the Sunday that I would talk about tithing that someone would come to church that Sunday who hadn't been in a while. And then they would say, all the church ever talks about is money. But giving the first 10% of my income is a very important spiritual truth. I found that this so often is where the rubber meets the road in my spiritual life and in the life of the church. So I've preached it and I've lived it, the minimum offering of giving 10% to Him. It's holy, it's sacred, it's His. How can I teach my flock about this if I'm not practicing it, if I'm not doing it? I can't unless I compromise my integrity. So I used to hate preaching on it, but whenever I did, the tithers would come up and they'd pat me on the back with that knowing look and say, keep it up. But now I've grown up. I now believe that I'd be hurting my congregation spiritually if I did not teach them, teach them this important truth from the Word of God. I've learned that you cannot outgive God and that you limit what God can do in your life when you hold on to His holy offering. I've also learned that those who have issues with my preaching on this topic are usually the ones that God is trying to get their attention about the money God in their life. So teach the Word of God. It's where we get our understanding of God, of salvation, of Jesus, of morality, of holiness. However, to teach His Word and to do His Word you have to be strong and courageous. Brothers, I cannot tell you how important it is to have men of the clergy teaching the Word of God in the church. It's so crucial. 
Thomas Cramner, who was the Archbishop of Canterbury, when he said this in 1540 about the Bible, if there were any word of God beside the Scripture, we could never be certain of God's word. And if we be uncertain of God's word, the devil might bring in among us a new word, a new doctrine, a new faith, a new church, a new God, yea, himself to be God. If the church and the Christian faith did not stay itself upon the word of God certain, as upon a sure and strong foundation, no man could know whether he had the right faith or whether he were in the true church of Christ or a synagogue of Satan. All of us have to come to a place where we decide what to do with this book. With all our learning, with all our scholarship, all our opinions, each of us has to come to a place where we decide what to do with this book. Is it the inspired Word of God or not? Or does it just contain some inspired Word of God, as we're taught often today? Billy Graham tells about the story about hearing about all these different schools of thought about interpreting the Bible and the the theology of the Bible, and he was beginning to doubt whether this was the Word of God. And he's wrestling with this and wrestling and struggling, and one day he goes out into the woods thinking and praying and struggling, and he comes to the end of himself using his own words. And we're told he got down on his knees in the woods, and he said, Lord, I believe that this is your word. And by faith from this day forward, I'm going to live it as it is. And of course, the rest is history. Millions and millions of lives he has influenced for Jesus Christ throughout his ministry. But he had to be strong and courageous. Well, the last place this this is mentioned in this chapter is in verse 9, when he says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do not be afraid. Courage is acting and speaking even though you are afraid. Courage is acting and speaking even though you are afraid. Everyone who is courageous is afraid, but our fear doesn't have the last word. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go, he says. God is with you and will be in you. And you know, we have something today that Joshua didn't have. We now have the indwelling presence. It's after Pentecost. The indwelling presence of God Himself, the Holy Spirit, dwelling among us and within us. Jesus told His disciples in the Great Commission, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all that I've followed you, or all that I've commanded you, and then what? Lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. You're going to experience fear. You're going to be dismayed. But he says, I will be with you. My first sermon, 21 years old, I'm the youth minister at the Cathedral of St. Philip in Atlanta. 5,000 member church. 1,200 in each service. The night before, I don't think I slept a wink. I was terrified. I was scared. And the Lord brought this verse to me. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be afraid. For I am with you. I was in my first parish about six months. And the choir comes to me. It says they're having issues with the choir director. 
she's showing up drunk at rehearsals. We need your help. Long story short, I had to fire the organist who had been there for 15 years as the organist. And I'm the, the new young guy. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed, for I am with you. And that terrible experience that I had to go through, God walked me through the whole, and walked the church through the whole thing. So one last word about being strong and courageous. How does one get strong? He says here, be strong. So how does one get strong? You work out. You exercise the muscles. You push them further than they can go. It builds strength into your physical body. Be strong. So how's one strong in the Spirit? How's one strong in the Lord? Well, Ephesians tells us, Ephesians chapter 6, that put on the full armor of God by prayer and Bible study and time with the Lord and faith and being filled with the Spirit. For it's not by power or might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. When we strengthen our spiritual muscles, we will be able to allow God's Spirit to be our strength. And it's God's strength we draw upon, not our strength. And we're able to be strong in Him, strong in the Lord. Spiritual strength comes from being with God and having God with you. So my brothers, have I not commanded you, the Lord says, do not be terrified, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Class of 2018, like Joshua, go and possess the land. North America needs you to possess the land for God. Millions and millions of souls are at stake. And this class, you, can turn North America back toward Christ. So rise, go over the Jordan, and possess the land. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you should go. Thank you for listening to A Word from the Lord. I would like to take a few moments and, and give you the opportunity to become a believing Christian. I know today we have a lot of folks who go to church and are real religious, but if you were to ask them if they really know Jesus Christ, they wouldn't know what you were talking about. And I don't know if you're one of those people this morning, but if you've never become a believing Christian, I'd like to give you a just a simple ABC, not a gimmick, but, but just the way it is. And, and a is for acknowledging that you're a sinner. We live in a culture which says, you know, basically we don't make mistakes, but we do. And when we measure up against God's Ten Commandments, um, all of us have fallen short in some way. We've all messed up, and, and that's called sin, and we need to acknowledge that. The B is, is to believe, to believe in Jesus and what He's done on the cross is God's remedy for our sin, is God's solution for being alienated from Him. To believe that through Jesus I can be made whole, that I can be healed, that I can be forgiven. And the C is for confess. Confess Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. A lot of folks receive Him as their Savior. They want their, what I call, fire insurance, make sure they don't go to hell. But they aren't willing to allow Him to be their Lord, to be the one who uh, is the master of their life. And, and to confess that, uh, to be willing to share that with those you love and those you care about, 
that Jesus is your Lord. So it's really that simple. Um, and yet it's that powerful that it makes such an eternal difference. Um, acknowledge that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is the solution. And confess that Jesus is your Lord. I invite you to stop what you're doing right now and, and say a simple prayer. Uh, confess your sin to him. Tell him you believe in him. And then begin to confess him as your Savior, Lord. If you've done that, I encourage you to uh, let me know. I'd like to send you some materials so, to help you grow in your Christian faith. It's, it's like becoming a, a baby all over again, and there's some things you need to know, some, some things you need to learn in order to walk with God. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing from the Word of Christ. Please visit us online at awftl.org.